podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Well, we've been, haven't we, on an amazing journey through the ministry of Jesus here on planet Earth as he preached and as he teached throughout his local area. We've seen him do that. We've also seen him heal sickness and disease. We've seen him have power over nature. We've even seen him raise people from the dead. We can be in no doubt, as history records, inside and outside of Scripture, that Jesus was no ordinary man. As Christians, we believe he is the very Son of God. He is God in human form. You have to decide where you stand today. We believe God did this. He came down to earth in human likeness. We believe he did this in order for us to come back to him and back into a relationship with him that sin had separated us from. He saw our weakness. He saw our sin and our shame. He didn't leave us to it. No, instead he came as a man so that he might take our place on that cross. He might bear our sin and our shame and he might deal with sin and he might deal with death as he rose again once and for all so that we might have an opportunity to come back into a relationship with him. So now we have this chance. We have this opportunity. It's a God-given opportunity that we're able to say sorry for our sin. We're able to ask for forgiveness for our sin. And we're able, because of what Jesus has done, to come back into that relationship. It's incredible. And it's an opportunity, I pray, that you don't miss. Really, as we're gonna look into today's account, All of what I've just said and where we're going to go is simply a matter of the heart. And we're going to ask the question today and the title is, where is your heart? Today's account that we're going to have a look at is found in all four of the Gospels in part. But we're going to go today from Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 11. This moment in time is almost like a a microscope on our hearts, on our motives, our desires, our treasure, our aims for the future. So we're going to ask a few questions. But before we do all that, let's read Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. I've got my NIV Bible, as always, in front of me. The words, God willing, will be up on the screen uh, if you want to follow along, if you've not got a Bible with you. So let's go ahead and read that together. It says, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, 
reclining at the table of, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, whether the gospel is, uh, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And we pray as always that the Lord would bless the reading of his word that we've done today. The time has almost arrived for Jesus to go to the cross. The Jewish leaders feel they're out of control and Jesus has gained popularity. He's gained a lot of followers, particularly from the moment when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And this then, for us today, to set the scene accurately, remember we've been going chronologically through the life of Jesus, through his ministry. This is the Saturday before Palm Sunday, before Jesus enters Jerusalem. For us then, that's next Sunday, and God willing, we'll be able to uh, celebrate that together uh, as, as we will. Um, but this then, for us, it sets the scene and helps us to see where we're at in the story. It allows us to just gain um, a, a, an insight, if you like, as to what's happening here. And we're going to see some different motives and some different heart positions play out. As Jesus here enters the house of Simon, he's sat reclining with friends sharing a meal. Now, when I looked at this and I studied it, I was like, that seems like a nice time, doesn't it? Oh, I forgot what that feels like. God willing, we're not far off being able to be in each other's homes and uh, just enjoying some food together, just enjoying some laughter. And we pray that that's not far off. And here in this moment, we, we know that, yes, we've missed it. And we can see how, how our hearts are delighted by the very thought of it. Jesus did a lot of his preaching and his teaching. It was based around food because they are things that bring people together. Food and, and drink is in these moments. They bring people together to allow us to have good conversation, to allow us to focus our thoughts and our minds. And Jesus is in a moment where he's reclining at the table with friends, sharing a meal. A woman then, who we know as Mary, one of Lazarus's sisters, comes along with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume. She breaks the jar and she pours the perfume on Jesus' head. Now, here really is where the heart becomes visible completely under the microscope. There are several reactions that we're going to see. There are several things that are going to, to come to light as we go through this. 
Um, and as I say, we're going to see all sorts play out and things become visible that perhaps we hadn't noticed before. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with Mary. She is, is bringing to Jesus what she has. But she's bringing it to Jesus with the right heart. Why? Well, we can see by the way that she brings it. She's bringing it without concern for its value. She's not concerned about how much the perfume cost. She's concerned about bringing what she has to Jesus. The value is of no concern to her at all. The cost also to herself. Um, thinking if uh, if she was thinking about the value, you know, she could sell that perfume and and you know maybe be comfortable. It's almost a year's wages, as as one of the disciples points out. It's worth a lot of money. So she's not thinking about the value of it to herself. She's bringing what she has to Jesus, and that's really important because as we go under the microscope, that shows us that her motives. Her desires, they were right, they were pure. She wasn't interested in what the world would think. She was interested in doing what was right by Jesus, doing what was right for Jesus. Mary had clearly understood after dialogue with Jesus and listening to him, and we see that in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 41. You can go and have a look at that if you want to do a little bit of further study. She'd understood from his teaching and from listening to him that he was going to have to die. He was going to, to take the place of you and I dealing with our sin and our shame. Jesus predicted his death several times. Um, and of course, they would have had the Old Testament writings. And, and in the Old Testament, it's pretty clear that the Messiah would go to the cross. It was spoke of really clearly. Mary seems to be in this moment the only one who's grasped or understood what Jesus has been saying and she knew that it was worth all that she could bring. She knew that Jesus was worth everything and so much more of what she could bring to him. Her heart was right. Her love for Jesus was real. Her love for Jesus was deep. She understood what was going off. Jesus actually says in, um, again, Mark 14 and verse 8, that she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Note how he says there, she did what she could. And this is the real motive for us. As Christians, do we do what we can? We always have those moments where we feel like we're not doing enough. Um, but in those moments, we also have to think, are we bringing what we can? I wish I could do more. Is that our heart's desire? Jesus here said she did what she could. And that was her heart. She was focused. She was sure. She was certain that Jesus was worth all that she could bring. And then we get the disciples. But I want to just focus on the 11. There's one disciple that we'll pick out. Judas is going to have his own separate story. Um, but here, the 11 will cover Judas, as I say, separately. They were also present when Mary was 
when Jesus was explaining all that was going to happen. They were in the same room. They were in the same conversation that Mary was privy to when she understood that Jesus was going to the cross, when she understood that the Messiah had to die in order to take our place. She'd grasped it. And, and I think in that moment, she'd been listening. Now, ladies, you know that you're able to multitask and you're able to listen and converse at the same time. Whereas gents, we do have this innate ability um, to be able to have a conversation and not remember anything that anybody said to us. Um, that might just be me, but I, I do think it could be all of us. But here, Mary was listening. She, she was attentive. She was taking it in. And the disciples, they perhaps missed more than once that Jesus had said, in fact, three times very clearly, Jesus predicts his death as you go through the Gospels. They'd heard what he was saying, but they hadn't understood and they certainly hadn't been listening properly. In fact, they were quite alarmed, actually, by what they saw in this moment as Mary broke the jar of perfume. They were, they were alarmed by what they saw as a waste of good perfume. And of course then, because it's good perfume, it was expensive. So in theory, they were absolutely alarmed at a waste of money. They once again, as we saw last week, believed that they'd read the situation and they rebuked Mary. They questioned her saying that could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Why would you do such a thing, Mary? As though the master doesn't want that. Don't do that. Really, though, we have to ask in this moment, was that honestly their heart? Was that really what they were thinking? Or were they just thinking about the finance, perhaps the treasure? Don't, don't waste all of that in this moment. You know, we could sell that and we could give the money to the poor. Now, we might be able to find out later on what the point was as we continue through the scriptures for the disciples to learn here. Jesus goes right ahead, though, in this moment and corrects them. In fact, he almost calls their bluff because he says this in verse six and verse seven. He says, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. So first of all, you've not understood the situation. You've not grasped what she's doing. She's listened, but you haven't. OK, and then he says, verse seven, the poor will always have you followers of Christ, not just those particular disciples, but Christian disciples, adherents to the word. So. The world, the poor, will always have you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. So Jesus is saying to them, right, OK, well, let's call your bluff in this situation. Next time you get the opportunity, next time you feel the urge to, then I expect that that's what you're going to do because you're rebuking Mary here who is doing a beautiful thing for me. You've missed the point. She's preparing my body for burial. This is the only body uh, uh, burial preparation that Jesus has. Um, and here, Mary's doing that because she knows the Holy Spirit has led her to do the right thing. And the disciples hadn't grasped that at all. And Jesus says, OK, well, let's call your bluff. 
that when you get that opportunity, I expect that that's what you'll do because you'll always have the poor, won't you? And you can imagine that pang of, of anxious and anxiety in the disciples like, oh no, we've read the situation wrong again. Jesus goes to make a point so that they can see clearly actually what's happening. You'll have time then. And we, church, have time to prove where our heart is. Is our heart on the treasure? Is our heart on the uh, material things that we have? Or is our heart on the need of the world? Is our heart focused on those around about us? We'll always have those that are in desperate need. Are we supplying that need? And are we doing it out of the right motive because we know it's the right thing to do? And here we have that question brought to us as Jesus brings it to the disciples. She's shown her heart by giving her all and the disciples in this moment have shown their heart as they've misunderstood and as they've thought, well, surely more can be done. And Jesus says, are you doing the more? Then we get the third outlook. And of course, that's one of the disciples. This is Judas. He is obviously in with the disciples here in this moment. They're rebuking Mary. They're questioning this waste of money as Mary pours the perfume on Jesus. But his heart is shown all the more clearly as the story continues. He doesn't really care for the poor at all. He's not interested in what they do or don't give to the poor. What he's interested in is the bit that he can cream off the top. He is the finance guy, the keeper of coin, if you like, and he's gained money that way. This is clear now. His heart and his motive were, as people were giving to the work and uh, the disciples were then distributing it throughout the, those that were in need, Obviously, Judas was keeping some back. Now, that then, his heart, decides what his next step is going to be. You see, G Judas is absolutely put out by the fact that he is not going to make any money off of this perfume that's been wasted on Jesus. He's absolutely furious. So much so, and so much is his heart on the finance, that Judas decides, well, if I'm not going to get my money via this perfume, which was worth a year's wages, remember? So if he was just creaming 10% off of that, he was going to be very happy. Now, he's decided that actually I will get my money, but I'm going to get it a different way. If I can't get it this way, I will get it another way. And he decides that he's not about to lose some profit. Let's have a look at verse 10 and verse 11. It says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, see how even the word deals with him separately in this moment, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas watched for an opportunity to get the money back that Jesus was happy to let fall to the ground. His heart was so wrong, his heart was so out of focus 
that he'd missed the whole point. And the point for him was that he was going to get financial gain from this. And he was desperate to get the money back when he thought it had slipped away. His motive was, you take from me and I will take from you. His heart was wrong. He desired that financial gain. Now we find ourselves in a moment where we see three very different reactions to Jesus in these moments that we've just seen and read. And we have to ask the question to ourselves because remember the title, where is our heart? What's our focus? What's our desire? Where's our treasure? The Bible says for where your treasure is there your heart will be. And we've seen Jesus' ministry. We've, we've been able to make clear over the past weeks where and how and who Jesus is. And now then we have to ask the question, are, are we like Mary, desiring to be with Jesus, desiring to give our all to him? Perhaps we're like the 11 disciples, not quite reading the importance, maybe focused on outward perception, almost religious in our duty, rather than our relationship with the Lord. Or perhaps, even as harsh as it sounds, that we have got a heart that's like Judas, that shows a clearer picture of who we are. I'm in the room, but I, I'm not part of it. I'm in the room, I'm tuning in, I go to church, but it ain't really for me. Church, as we come to Easter, beginning next Sunday, God willing, we have a real opportunity to see clearly what God has done for us, what God has given for us. Church, he has shown his heart. He has shown his love for us. John 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That is the evidence that we are loved. And as we've gone through these weeks, we've been able to compile incredible amounts of evidence that God loves us and that Jesus came to do what needed to be done for us to come back into a relationship with him. But now it's up to you. You have to decide. You have to make your choice. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you that today, once again, we've been able to look into your word. We've been able to see that there are different heart, different motives when it comes down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just pray that you would help us to have the right heart. To have a heart like Mary, who so desired to bring her all, who wasn't worried about any cost to herself or the financial loss. She was bothered about bringing her best to Jesus. And I pray that that would be our heart. 
I pray for all those, Lord, today who don't yet know you as Lord and Saviour, that you would just speak into their hearts, that your Holy Spirit might move, that their hearts might be softened, that seeds might be sown, and they might seek a life with you. Father, we just praise you for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord God, that you loved us enough to give your very best in the Lord Jesus Christ. We tell you today that we love you. Father, we only know that's possible because you first loved us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.